You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Dumb Will Speak. I'm one half of the host team here, Chalen. And I'm Roy. And today we're going to move back into, uh, we have done preacher clips in the past, but this one's going to be oh so different. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one's been relatively recent, uh, new. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this week, I think, is when it began. Well, I think it was. I think Twitter. I think it happened week before last, but it's yeah, it's been blowing up the last week or two. We thought the uh, independent fundamental Baptist preacher clips were bad today. <laughs> well, face cake, really. I mean, we, yeah, we have the one and only Andy Stanley yeah. for our enjoyment in a multiple. Uh. Uh, clips today senior teacher senior teaching preaching pastor if you want to call him that at north point church which is a sbc affiliated did they not leave the sbc Uh, maybe i don't know they were sbc for some reason i think they did they may be non-denominational now you know don't quote me i i don't know you you could be right i don't know i know he was sbc but then again uh I'm sure most people that would listen to this program already knows who he is, or at least knows enough about him to know he's the son of Charles Stanley, former president of the SBC from the 1980s. Charles Stanley, part of the, what they called the, the uh, conservative resurgence of the late 70s, early, early 80s, that changed the leftward bent of the SBC for the time being, and now it's, it's drifted back, and it's actually worse now than it was then to some degree. Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers. Yeah. Who else was on that? John, <clears throat> Johnny Hunt was one John, uh, yeah that was the one i was trying to remember of course now he's plagued in yeah, sexual controversy scandals so mm-hmm. you know i mean and they actually i don't know if you just um they installed him recently back into the preaching uh wherever he's at i can't remember the name of the church that he's at but they just recently installed him back into the ministry it's first baptist in woodstock georgia yep he's yeah. been reinstalled there there basically was no time there whatsoever to really even evaluate the situation i mean it's a sad reality i mean well um, you we, know we think <laughs> we we think we have these clips in order that we're going to play them uh you know they're all well horrible prepared. any way you look at it uh, yeah. you know we're well prepared <laughs> well we did check it and it does work you will hear the audio so it's good uh, well, yeah, we have done that in the past. <laughs> wait, I, I say that, but you know as well as I do, you can have something that works one time, and then you try it again, and it doesn't work for some reason. I, ghost in the machine, I don't know. Um, you know, Chalen, uh, I told my wife I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna mention this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, I had not told her the encounter I had at with 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 the person this week that I told you about, and I'm not going to mention names or anything like that. But I'll just say that in my daily life, I was around somebody that. You know, I, I thought was a Christian, but I didn't know for sure. And we were talking about something. I think it was, I was making a comment about the pitiful state of our press, our supposed free press, and how it's in bed with the uh, left-wing loons in the country, and and just in the way that they address certain things. And now they state emphatically that they know the answer. You know, when it and especially when it comes to things such as our former president, uh, the last president, uh, Donald J. Trump, and they they just espouse things and say spreading lies while on the campaign trail. And I'm like, who, wait, who are you to say that? Why don't you do it the way you used to would have said, which is that uh, he makes out, he is, he, is, he is alleging voter fraud. Not just that it's an outright lie, because let's be real, 
this this is the history of the United States in our in our federal elections. We we've, we've had number three. Sorry, 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 yeah. sorry. I hit a button and I, I was uh, sorry. Not I'm yet, Andy. Not yet, Andy. You'll get your chance to spread your heresy in a minute. But anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I just well, I found a nine minute, cl- a ten minute clip that is probably everything we're looking for. I bet that's it. And I, I'll tell you sorry. what. Let's I, have that one queued up because that's probably that's probably the one. Uh, the um, yeah. As you know, for the last few weeks, while you've been uh, involved in a in a, mar- a marriage con- conference at church, I've been filling in for you in the Sunday school class, and I've been discussing justification by faith. You know, well, just the biblical doctrine of justification. Period. Starting this week, we'll we'll get into the Roman Catholic view of justification. We've discussed several different things, which don't worry because I've kept all the notes, and we'll use that for the podcast here in just a few weeks. But I want to get this finished before I start putting it out as a podcast uh, because some of the people in the class actually listen to the podcast and they may not want to hear it again after they've already heard it once. Anyway, the point is I've just recently, you know, just been digging into all that anyway. So the the, the guy begins to speak about, you know, he's a Christian and he's, he's talking and I don't know how it came up, Chalen, but somehow we were talking about salvation and I gave a very simple, direct view of what justification is, right? And how you're justified, how you're saved, how you're born again. And I was shocked to discover that, you know, he doesn't hold the same view as, as me. And that there's a, the view he takes is of, um, what did I call it? Um, a sort of tripartite process of uh, salvation, which anytime you hear the word process, cut it off. As I said in the class a few weeks ago, if you've got to have a process of salvation, you don't even know what salvation is. It's not a process. It's, 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 it's an act. God's act. Charismatic. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I was talking about repentance and faith. And he he put believe and repent in one thing. That's part one, but that doesn't save you alone. Then you're commanded to be just, to be um, baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus only. And here's, and here's the other thing. Uh, after that, you must keep yourself in, in the will of God, in the faith, and filled with the Holy Spirit. If not... There is no such thing as once saved, always saved, he said, and you can lose your salvation. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then, of course, my I, I think I probably oh, had a... That I, was terrible. I think I had a deer in the headlights look uh, when he dropped that bomb oh, on me. I called it something else. Yes, yes. And so I... Only you and I will, will know that term, but... Yeah, but I... But when he he made a statement that I just knew it was time for me to walk away from the conversation, I needed to move on. I was at work anyway. I needed to move on and do something else. Uh, I literally had work to do. But uh, this fellow brought up something about baptism, you know, in Jesus' name only. And he made the statement that if anyone could show him from the Bible that you should that we are to be baptized in the names. That was how he worded it. Which of course I'm not real familiar with. With that he line didn't of really mean it, theology. No. Oh, exactly. He said that he no, would. No. He said I'll get. Re- really I would get rebaptized today, and I wanted to say uh, Matthew twenty-eight verses seventeen and eighteen. But I just said, you know, I gotta go, <laughs> and I left because there's no point in causing a, well, you know, a, like a, a sore you, a sore spot there. Do you remember Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, I remember Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah, which is what we probably should have called the podcast Dumb and Dumber. But anyway, <laughs> that's um, copyrighted. You know, I remember when he walks out of the. Uh, the gas station, and he's just, there's two guys standing there, or a guy and a girl, I don't remember, and he's got the big gulp. I just picture you with him going, big gulp, huh? 
well, see you later, and walks off. I don't know why I just picture that the reaction that you had there. <laughs> I think I took a big gulp of air and went like, oh, I, know. I need to walk on. <laughs> You know, See this you later. Conversation was just had just turned un- uncomfortable for me because I was like, "Well, uh, how long have you got? I will walk you through Trinitarian theology if you really want me to, but I'm not going to." But again, you know, if Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 28, now I know about the, the textual variants. I think there's three or four manuscripts that have some variants there about baptism. I'm okay with that because I can argue about that or, or and either agree or disagree with whoever brings up whatever assertion. But I know based on that type of theology and that particular type of church that he's in, in our area, there's a real good chance that they're King James only anyway, so they're not going to be able to argue that because it's in their Bible, and their Bible is the only one that's inerrant and inspired. So, therefore, if it's, if Jesus said it in their Bible, then that's all they, they should need to know, you know? But I, I didn't want to I, get I into the whole thing. And I do believe, if I'm thinking right, so I'm looking down, um, yeah, and I'm asking for a friend, um, that was oneness, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was. I was looking. I wanted to look. Well, because he said the names, and you know what that means. It's the names of I God, know. and the, God as the Father, God as the Son, and God as the Holy Spirit, not God three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There I mean, is a difference. And, and my question is, have you ever picked up a systematic theology and just read it? I mean, there's various points you could just read through, and it'll walk you through it. I was just reading about the Azusa Street Revival this morning and all that junk that, you know, this the misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit and what he does and and the role. And it just just flabbergasts me to the point that just pick up your Bible. You know, know, I was listening to a recent episode of Dividing Line with James White, and, you know, he was talking about an old conversation with uh, Dr. Norman Geisler. And they were with the whole debate about, you know, predestination and that sort of thing. And um, Geisler's book, Chosen But Free, was basically, you can tell from the title, a response to Chosen by God, R.C. Sproul, right? And Mm -hmm. so you have, you have, um, it it leads to James White to write yet another book, The Potter's Freedom. God, you know, the potter says to the clay, you know, who are you to, uh, will the clay ask the potter, why have you made me this way, et cetera, et cetera. In a conversation they had, he mentioned, you know, he, he, he said that Norman Geisler had already given up probably 30 or 40 years before that conversation on ever trying to fully understand uh, Reformed theology or anything like that or, or anything that could be colloquially called Calvinism. And he had a, just a hardline view on it. And he called, he called himself, by the way, a moderate Calvinist and that other Calvinists were, were called extreme Calvinists. In other words, James White would have been an extreme Calvinist or hyper-Calvinist, even though that's, James White is not a hyper-Calvinist much as when I was a dispensationalist, I was never a hyper-dispensationalist. So, anyway, there's... Notice were, past tense. I said were, yeah. yeah there, I know you did. Uh, yeah. I just pointed it out. Oh, I admit that I was. I was raised in it, and I just thought that's that was the best theory. I mean, I grew up... The only study Bible I ever read as a child was the Schofield Study Bible, and I'm talking about the old notes from 1917. Great yeah, yeah, they're, they're beautiful Bibles, and a great cross-referencing system and all that in concordance, but, again, doesn't matter. The theology's bad. So... Anyway, he was talking about how, how Geisler had given up on that a long time ago. And so he mentioned something about, you know, well, have you read any recent systematic theology that would, that would discuss that from that point of view, you know, from a Calvinist point of view? He said, what about Wayne Grudem? At that time, Grudem's book was brand new. And he said, oh, complete trash, rubbish. I wouldn't read it. 
He said, I don't think he even read it, read Wayne Grudem. He might have, but he said he completely dismissed it out of hand and said that Wayne Grudem's systematic theology was trash and not worth reading. Is what Norman said? Yeah, that's what Norman Geisler said. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there's things. Sure, there's, it gets into the gifts. Sure. I, I don't agree with him. There's areas of, but of when disagreement. It comes to with, the inspiration of Scripture and, the, I mean. Explaining Trinitarianism. He is he is very very good. Yeah. Oh yeah. The doctrine I mean, of salvation, the doctrine of uh, angels and demons. He's good on a lot of stuff. Uh, anyway, so that there was that. Um, that that conversation occurred, and, and it was one of those things where I just sort of shied away. Believe it or not, I shied away from controversy there, and I sidestepped because I like the guy. I don't. I have to have dealings with him in the public, and I don't want to have you know us debating it back and forth over and sure. over again. Because I did get into that argument once with a oneness Pentecostal guy on the idea of um, baptism in the name of Jesus only, that Jesus is only God when he's incarnated. I don't know how they explain the whole thing. I mean, they, they just they just totally mis- misread Scripture in some ways. They totally misread Trinitarianism, but somehow he wanted to debate me over it, and I only had to deal with this guy one day. And so I just thought, well, okay. So I laid it out, laid out my case, and walked away from it. I don't think I made a friend that day. <laughs> I, I was, I'm sorry. I was trying to see. I knew he did. William Zane, William Ames at Merrill Theology. I had close to me, and I know he had a section on Holy Spirit. I was trying to find it, but it's not readily accessible so, for me to quick find it. Uh, we haven't we haven't recorded in about four weeks. So let me ask a question. How's your library going? How many new books have you got uh-huh. since the last time? Because I know you ordered a bunch. Did you ever get them in? Um. Hmm. Where to begin? Um, <laughs> I know you had to have one for your class, so I know you you ordered that. I don't. It was like a third edition yeah, or something like that. And so, along with that, you ordered uh, a bunch more, huh? See. The Library of New Testament Studies. There's four of them. <laughs> uh, here's how uh, Harold Honer Ephesians. Ralph Martin, the New Testament Foundations. That's for Sunday school. I've had that a little bit. Okay. Uh, Nick Nick Needham, Volumes 2, 3, and 4, Church History. Uh, yeah, this one, these are all new. Um, new, t- new Studies in Biblical Theology, four of those. And those are the little gray paperbacks direct, uh, edited yeah. by, by D.A. Carson, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Acts, Baker, Reformed Reader, two volume set, Systematic Theology. <laughs> the Reformed Reader, look at you. So... You um, hardcore Calvinist. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I got the uh, the Puritan paperback. The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter. Oh. Jesus Remembered by Jesus Remembered by Dunn. Don't hold that against me. He is on the new perspective of Paul. Oh, did, did you, just, uh, James? Um, James Dunn. Yeah. Yeah, he does the two-volume Roman set in uh, Word. Uh, Word. Uh, Word Biblical. Biblical Commentary. Uh, Acts of the Apostles. We know where we're going next. That's why you're seeing, hearing some Acts. <laughs> acts of the Apostles by G. Campbell Morgan. Oh, see, that's the other thing. Whereas I was quoting Jesus from the Gospels and different things, and I'd also quoted Paul a couple of times in our discussion on salvation, the guy I'm talking about completely ran to Acts, and everything was about Acts, Acts, Acts. What, oh, is, yeah. this, what is this intense emphasis on the book of oh. Acts? At the exclusion of the rest of the New Testament when it comes to this idea of baptism or or the foundation of the church or spiritual gifts or any of these other things, they ignore the rest of Scripture. 
We're going to cover that in a few months. And remember, that's history. Uh, I, I firmly believe that's what they 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 legit they literally happened in that place in that time for those people as a sign gift. We've discussed all this before on the I agree. on the thing. I don't know why I'm letting this conversation bother me and talk about it all week, but uh, with you, but I just can't help it. I feel like I, I let I let everybody down by not addressing it right then. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. It's not worth making an enemy. So, um, you want me to continue? I'm half done in my books here. Only half done. Ah, <laughs> uh, wait, we we got. Uh, let's see. Then Burkoff, systematic theology, Millard Erickson. Erickson's theology. the one you needed for class, right? Yeah, I've had that one for a while. Even I though you've had other say, books, you have other books by him. Yeah. Uh, so you picked up Burkoff. Okay. Yeah, I always like Louis Burkoff. Yeah. Uh, Gagging God by Carson. Christianity confronts pluralism. That's a really good book. Oh, I bet. Um, Appropriate for these days. De- well, day we age. might as well get into the we might as well get into the hard the hardcore stuff I got now. Um, <laughs> three books that'll stand out here: All Millennialism Today, okay, by William E. Cox, okay. All right, and the second one is a case for All Millennialism by uh, Riddle Barger, and then uh, Man of Sin by Riddle Barger. Okay, uh, deals with the Antichrist and the views there. Now there is another one I have not told you about. Uh, John Frame's Systematic Theology, 1,200 pages. Oh, really? Yeah, I got that for like 15 bucks on eBay. It's brand new. Wow. I mean, it's brand new. It's, I don't know what it sells for. I ain't never, I mean, it was kind of one of those that I, I like. I like him. Uh, would he be my go-to? Probably not, but, I mean, I like him. Well, Frame's another one of those bigger names in... In Reformed theology, along along with Burkhoff and things like that, but but newer, I think. So I mean, yeah, no, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Frame is. Frame oh yeah, no, Burkhoff is, is gone. Burkhoff's dead. Yeah. So, but that's it. I guess that's all I've got that's happened here recently. Well, I myself haven't purchased any books in uh, since late November, early December. So the last time we recorded, we were up to date. I'm, I have no new books. Um, I have picked up a few. Silver coins that, you know, I wanted, uh, yeah, I wanted a silver dollar from the year I was born in 72. And then in this, and then just, um, less than two months ago, I turned 50. So I wanted something to commemorate 2022. So I bought a U.S. minted silver eagle. And so I have one from the year I was born and one from, uh, the year I turned 50. So that's cool. I think I might get one now for the, the year I was married, 92. And then I might get one for the two years of the births of my children, which was 99 and 2001. Those will have to be Silver Eagles. But, yeah, I'll probably pick up a, well, 92 would have to be a Silver Eagle as well. But anyway, yeah. I guess we'll get to what we're going to talk about today. Our, I guess our main uh, focus is going to be on really bad, really, really bad <laughs> theology coming from the pulpit oh. of uh, someone who is a face and a name that, that people know and a, and those of us that are older, we definitely know his father. And, you know, I mean, I heard I heard when uh, James White talked about some of this that I just listened to this week, and he was talking about how, um, well, actually, that was last Saturday, a week ago today. It was uh, after I found out about this, I watched it on Dear Woke Christian, and he showed some of this video, probably the same video you're getting ready to play, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll record the audio. After I did that, then, then later, uh, as, I, as I took a shower, I listened to James White, discuss very similar things um not the exact video that that uh jason on 
Dear Woke Christian covered, but he has since covered that that video this week that, that ends today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've listened to most of that episode. And it's just, he basically says, you know, look, while he said Charles Stanley and I wouldn't agree on everything, Stanley, in his view, is one of the better SBC guys to come out of that that generation and his view was he has written and said things that have been influential and helpful to me and to others and I don't have anything against Charles Stanley although I don't think he would he would you know like my view on the atonement other than that you know I think we would agree on a lot of things but he said the problem is that's much simpler okay I'll sum up James White's problem with the whole thing is he views it as this is just the deterioration generationally when your theology becomes much weaker much more man-centered you know, much more anthropomorphic and less theocentric, less centered on God and Scripture, okay? Less bibliocentric. Because, let's face it, I don't know that this video will, will get onto that, but you and I have already discussed the fact that, and that was the first thing that James White talked about in a, a few weeks ago, was Andy Stanley saying things about, if you're trying to talk to somebody you can't that, that has totally like lost their faith or that has is in the process of deconstructing, that you cannot say, well, the Bible says, because they're going to say, well, I know what the Bible says. I've read the Bible. I know what the Bible says. How are you going to convince me through some other means, logic, empirical evidence, etc., etc.? Looking for an external standard instead of an internal, eternal standard, which is the Bible, right? So as a presuppositionalist, James White can't, can't, cannot abide that because he's like, that's the point. When you don't have a presuppositional view that the Bible is inspired and is the Word of God, then you you have nothing else to fall back on except your own opinion, and man's opinion, right? Absolutely, is useless when it comes to the eternal things. We can't understand the eternal things without the inspiration of Scripture. That's how God speaks to us. So, so I, I hope I, I didn't. Assuming. I hope I didn't err in any way in trying to summarize what James White's no, opinion on that is. I don't think so. Not that I heard, but I. I but if we did, we apologize. To yeah, him. yeah. I'm not but trying to put words in his I, mouth. I, now we're gonna we're gonna play this and. You wave your hands or motion okay. for me to stop at any point. Um, and same, anything you want to comment minutes, on, we'll just we'll just t- comment. This is nine minutes and fifty nine second long video. We are starting this as our recording, which will be different for you guys listening because there'll be some edits on our end at forty five minutes. So let's see how long it takes us to get through a nine minute and fifty nine second clip. And ready? Yep. Number three. The faith of the next generation is worth, okay, here we go, leading our churches to acknowledge there are gay people, not just straight people with a sin problem. Stop there. Okay. I know. I'm going to have to go ahead and stop this. Yeah, I know we got nowhere. Because, okay, we got 13 seconds, okay? (laughs) So, if I, I, and I'm pointing at the screen here that you can't see it, but (laughs) you would say all of, of, okay, can, can you see my little cursor there? Yeah. All of these people right here. All have a sin problem. Yes, everybody here has a sin problem. That's right. Some, but he's, of he's these people uh-huh. have come into a right relationship with Christ because of His conviction and His drawing. Some of the these people, all of these people, there's a difference. Some of these people are in a right. All of these people are swimming in sin. Okay, there so, is no. For which no. you are referring to the gay people. They are they are in their sin still. And that's it. But let's be specific. That sin could be pornography. That sin could be love. I mean, yes. there, there's a myriad of other sins. Greed. Just, you insert that uh, other. Hatred. All those things are yeah. sins. 
And it's true. It's straight straight people have those problems. There's no doubt about it. What you are saying is, by the way, just simple biblical faith. If you are born again, if you are a Christian, your sin problem has been taken care of. There is no more gay or straight because we're all going to be in line with God's will. And his will is that man and woman. He created them, right? Male and female. And they are to be married, become one flesh, and have children. It's it, it, nothing else. There's no other room for any other recourse. There is no gay, there's no lesbian, there's no bisexual, there is no transsexual, there is no transvestism, there is no pedophilia, there is no room for porno- pornogra- pornography, there's no room for any of it for the, for, the, for the Christian. Am I right? I agree. Right. Now, I mean, I agree. will you struggle? Now, do you, will, could do there you be a struggle where you see a woman and have a lustful thought? Yes, but you repent of that and get that corrected. Yeah, we're not swimming in the pool of sin. Right. I'm not okay swimming in the pool of sin. There's there's conviction. So so, so already okay, we talk, already see, we've seen moral equivocation here. He's equivocating gay and straight right. as it's just a sin problem. Go ahead. Well, this is going to take a while. Yeah. Now, what does this have to do with the next generation that has everything? To be clear. Excuse me. What's he mean? Next generation. I mean, I know he means. Okay. I, Okay, I'll move on. We don't need to get the next generation to acknowledge that. They assume that. But as long as they think that we don't understand that, they can't hear us. Pause. Okay. Well, here's there's a, a lot to unpack that just happened there. Because the, the next generation, he's referring to Gen Z and Gen, Gen Z Alpha that's coming yes. up, right? Um, my children are Gen Z, your children are Gen Z Alpha. And what he's saying is that... They already, normal. they already know that there is uh, no difference between gay and straight. Do you know why he knows they already know that? Because they've been educated in a system and they've been watching TV long enough that they've been taught this. Not by their parents and not by the church. They've been taught this by the world that this is the world's view of homosexuality today and of moral relativism. It goes back to moral relativism. And since moral relativism says everything is equal... In and of itself, there is no right or wrong. There's no absolute truth in the postmodern era. See our previous episodes on all these philosophies. Then you know that he's right. He's actually right. That generation does assume that gay people are just fine. They're just fine living in their sin. Gay people are still made in the image of God, and they still are in need of a Savior, and we still love them, and we don't hate them. We don't, we're not bigoted towards them. But we, and we accept them, but we accept them in the sense that they are just like us, in need of a Savior. I'll stop. <laughs> No, I, I was just sitting here thinking. I get very hyper about Paul, these things. When Paul goes to Ephesus, Ephesus uh-huh. he writes to the Ephesians. Now, what were they in the middle of there? They were in the middle of, of, of the worship of um, Diana. Remember, they had the temple to Artemis to Diana. They had the temple. And he doesn't go in, and um, I want to use a term here, but I'm not, um, tiptoe around it. Right. He doesn't go and tiptoe around it. He hits that head on because there's temple prostitutes. There's 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 a myriad of different things that's going on. And Paul doesn't tiptoe around. Paul literally just goes, "Such were one of you." You know, is what he says. He he. You know what? I, I'm going blank on the. Now you're I got a Bible. You're referring to Corinthians. You said. No, it. I'm referring to Ephesians too. What such were one of you is that? But I'm also referring to Ephesians. Okay, but it is in, in Corinthians. It is in Corinthians, it where is he, in Corinthians where he lists all these people and says, by, by the way, you know what he says of those people? Of all these immorals that he's just mentioned? They're not a Such part of the... One of you. That they are not... Well, he says first, and none of these are, well, are a part of the kingdom. 
Yes. And he says, and such were some of you, but you have been washed, you have been justified, you have been made clean in Christ. Hey, man, we can all be of all those things. I could have been a serial killer in my past life, right, before I was saved, but in, in Christ I am now one with him, and that is old, the old man, not the new man. Now, I would still have to face punishment for the crimes I committed, and they could put me to death, and, and rightly so. But in Jesus I would still see heaven, even though I don't deserve it, because guess what? Nobody deserves it. Here's the one I was talking about, and it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, okay. beginning in verse 1. This is out of the 77. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of dis oh, disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, yes. indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature of wrath even as the rest. But God, rich in mercy because of his great love, love that line. with which he loved us, but God. even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us, that is, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's just, that's, we, he doesn't, Paul doesn't go to the Ephesians and go, you can stay as you are, you can do this. You, you. No, he, he calls them to what they were. You were in the lust, you were in uh, uh, the lust of the flesh. Yeah, he's right. It's a sin problem, but he never deals with the sin problem. You have to deal with a sin problem. You can't live in your sin. Absolutely. That's that's the problem here. Yes, you're you're dead when you're in. dead spiritually when you're in your sin. But then when God saves you, he makes you alive in him. And when you're alive in him, you're going to do the very things that Jesus commanded in in the, in the Gospel of John. If you love me, keep my commandments. And one of the things we're commanded to do is sexual purity. Go ahead, keep playing. Okay. So far we made it through 29 seconds. Awesome. They just can't. Now, is that fair? No. Is it even fair? Should it be that way? No. But it's just that way. And, and this is so complicated and this is so difficult. Now, if you're gay, don't hear me saying you're complicated and you're difficult. You're not the problem. The church is still trying to adjust to a reality that we struggle with and we struggle with it for good reasons. Now, this is so easy personally. In fact, I, I don't know all of you, but I, I bet for 99% of the, the people in the room, this is easy personally. You know gay people, you have gay friends, you have gay relatives. You may have a gay son or daughter or granddaughter. You, you know, you do business with gay people. Gay people come to your church. You're not like, <gasps> in fact, it's the opposite. It's like, I think they're gay. There's gay people here. It's great. I love our church. We're, you know, I mean, and if you're gay, I know, just be patient with us. We're weird. I know. But, Pause. but you understand. Uh, we, I, I wanted I'm to let it play through a little bit, but you know, early on, he he says he says that um, that you're not the problem, the church is because he's essentially saying the church is. He throws the church under the bus, and he says, and with good reason, we have we have reasons for it. Yeah, good reason. You know what it is? It's called scripture. The scripture tells us what is and is not moral in God's eyes. And, and, I, and so, I think I'm, go I want to add something. Well, I'm going to add something. I think when he's talking to the, about the church, I don't think he's talking about, quote-unquote, North Point, where he's at. I think he's talking about the rest of us that are biblical, uh, Bible-proclaiming churches. 
yeah. uh, that are, as James White and them will say, biblistists when it comes to this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's where he is projecting the problem. Maybe I'm wrong. That's, I want to add Wait, that. You know, some time ago, and we addressed this when it happened, some time ago, uh, when did we first mention Andy Stanley when I talked about his unhitching of the Old Testament from the New Testament? We oh, that's that been aside. years ago. Okay, but I, oh, I say years. Well, a few it was, years. It was just pre-COVID. Yeah, but so we discussed it then, and in the early days of the podcast, we mentioned... Uh, talking about that and and the problem with that is is and we we pointed that out then is that if you unhook two-thirds of the bible from the rest of the bible what are you left with you know and his his view would be well you're just left with jesus yeah but jesus is what jesus is the summation of the old testament you need the old testament to understand what happened in the first century a.d you can't even begin to understand who jesus is or, or or what he did and why he did what he did until you have read the old testament you can't unhitch any part of the Bible from the Bible and, and truly be no. Christian about he's it. He's unhitched everything. I mean, yeah, I think he's just unhitched Scripture, yeah, unhitched because scripture the, from North Point. The previous controversy before this particular speech we're looking at now was when he said that you have to start with the resurrection, period. The resurrection's what matters. Virgin birth doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just the resurrection. <laughs> Well, if you remember, he went as far as saying, for the Bible tells me so, the children's song. Uh-huh. That's oh, yeah. the problem where yeah. it begins. Yeah, he said, you know, he said, he said, actually, you know, why we can be Christians is because there's a historical Jesus that existed, and we know that he was crucified by the Roman government. Okay, well, what if you didn't have that evidence? And believe me, we didn't have that evidence for a long time, recall? That in the 18th and 19th century, they were trying to claim that there was no historical Jesus. In fact, that's been a long-standing, hundreds of years controversy between those who are deniers of the faith and those that are in the faith who, who take the Bible seriously and believe well, it. It's the, that the idea that, there, well, what if there really there probably really wasn't an historical Jesus? It was just maybe some guy it's loosely based on. But you can't really believe in the virgin birth. You can't really believe in the resurrection, can you? Uh, yeah, Well, then you have those, and kind of, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, those that try to separate the person of Christ and the work of Christ. You know, they try to separate it. They either... They, they don't try to let those two work in harmony of one another. Mm-hmm. We either are all resurrection, all the spiritual aspect, all of the atoning work, and we leave off the historical nature of Christ, or we're all historical and we leave off the supernatural. Yeah. But the two should work in conjunction. Together, absolutely. What was it I told you this week? I'm always thrilled when something from the sciences or when something from archaeology or geology or history confirms things from the Bible. It just it just it just makes me happy because I know how many people want to put down the word of God and put down Christianity as just superstition and just another religion. And when something something like that comes along as an external proof, I told you it makes me smile. It makes me happy. It's almost a gotcha and I have to get over that because sometimes that's kind of a prideful thing. I'm like, haha, see I'm on the right side and you're not. But you know, you have to put that pride part aside. But I am happy when things like that occur. But like I said about the search for the ark, I don't, I don't have to know that it's there. I don't have to know that it's somewhere in the mountains of Turkey or Armenia. In fact, it's fine with me if it's, if it's already rotted. It doesn't matter. Just like I don't have to have the original autograph manuscripts of the New Testament to believe the New Testament has been faithfully disseminated throughout 2,000 years of history. Um, just the fact that we have as much manuscript evidence as we have as going back as far as early as we do to like early 2nd century tells me that, hey, we're on the right. We, we don't... They don't have a thing to stand on when they say there's no there's no evidence for the Bible, but so I don't need that 
to prove my faith. No, it just I, makes me I, happy. It just ha- makes me happy, like you said, when they're joined together. You and I both just got a text, and I'm going to read the text. Okay. And we're talking about Scripture here, and, and he's unhitching all of Scripture, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this. On this day in Reformation history, February 4th, 1555, Bible translator John Rogers was burned at the stake in the center of London under the reign of Bloody Mary. Rogers was a friend of reformer William Tyndale, Tyndale Bible, and assured and ensured that his work was published under this, uh, I can't ever say that word. Pseudonym. Uh, thank you. Thomas Matthews. To this day, his translation is known as the Matthews Bible. Rogers was one of the first of many victims of Bloody Mary's reign of terror in England. And it was really perfect timing for that, that he sends that, because these men willing to die for the things of Scripture, these men willing to die to get the Bible translated, and then you got this clown <laughs> just unhitching all of the New Testament. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but... Are we at the point already where we can go ahead and declare that Andy Stanley is moving into apostasy? Um, Too soon? <laughs> well, let's just see if he quotes scripture in this whole thing. We're, we're a minute 22 in. Let's just see if he does. So far, we got nothing. Nothing. So far, nothing scriptural. It's so, so far, no scripture, no nothing. You and I have gone to scripture. Because you're here because you love Jesus and you probably grew up in church and you know we're trying to figure this whole thing out. But at some point along the way. So what are, I, I'm sorry. Sorry. At this rate. I'm be here all afternoon. So, what are we trying to figure out? I mean, we're not trying to. It's a sin problem. No, we're trying we understand to understand it's a sin problem. We're trying to figure out how to ignore the, the Bible, the, the revelation of, of Scripture. We're trying to ignore the law of God and say, "Yeah, but that we know better now. We understand. God made you that way. So you, you're just made that we, way, and because of that, we accept you. We love you. We accept you as you are. We don't want you to change so, for us or for God. God doesn't want you to change either. Oh." Man, it's horrible. So what we're doing is essentially going, I know what the Bible says, but we want you to be comfortable in your sin no matter what it is. That's exactly what it is. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Wait, and this is a process, and I want to talk, drill down on this one a little bit. In fact, I, in my notes, I put... There's that word process. I was going to read this one and say, good luck. Let's go to number four, but I, that would be mean, okay? So personally, this is not a problem. You love people. You don't write people off because of their, their sexual preference. I mean, we all know how to love people. That's not it. But corporately, it is challenging, and it's challenging for good reasons. But we have to embrace this challenge, and we have to lead the way. Um, in my experience, now, this is just my experience, okay? Okay, stop a second. Again, we're going to go to personal experience as opposed to Authority of Scripture, correct? Uh, yeah, we the the authority right now is is, is Andy Stanley's feelings, and and another is, thing is is he said, gentlemen here, all these problems that we have to deal with because we're coming to terms with it. Okay, we're coming to terms with allowing sinners to remain in their sin and not preaching repentance. But see, uh, they stopped sh- they stopped preaching repentance in a lot of Southern Baptist and non denominational churches a long time ago. You and I know that, right? And now I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time, man. And now when you you no, you know yeah, you know that. No, the, no, 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 no. This video. Oh, I'm, I don't mean the I've video. Heard clips, oh, no, but a oh, lot of this I'm oh, hearing it for the first time. Oh, well, I understand. I don't. I don't even mean the video. I've actually heard it before. I know. But but it's the I meant the underpinnings of it is that they cannot stick with the word repentance because that's for super Christians. That's for Calvinists. That's not for the average Christian sitting in the pulpit. And that's the problem right there. 
this uh, segregation uh, of the uh, church into groups of saying some people are holier than others. You know how I feel about that because I feel that's the biggest problem I have with a lot of um, holiness Pentecostal type stuff is the idea that they are somehow higher than us because they speak in tongues or they do these certain things and therefore these gifts make them superior and you've not truly been baptized in the Holy Spirit until you receive that. Okay, but the truth is, when you're baptized into Christ, once you say to, to the Lord, I'm at the end of me, I'm asking you to save me, he indwells you with the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He's the comforter. He's the friend. Not, not you. I know. I know. This, this is because this has no Bible behind it. This is all about a man's feelings and not wanting to hurt someone else's feelings. But let's quit trying to not tiptoe around it and let's just say the truth. Sin is sin and I don't care who's sinning, God's going to punish them. Everyone that let's, lives in sin will be punished. Let's see how far Andy Goes is off the rails. willing to go. Yeah. If I can figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. Can make a lot of comments here that would get me in a lot of problems. Well, this is what I heard, by the way, the first time I heard this clip. It started with this part here. If I could get most of the normal, in other words, most of the straight Christians to be as holy and and as and as and as and as energetic about their faith as these gay Christians. By the way, that's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as a straight Christian or a gay Christian. I already said it well ago. There's only Christian. And if you're a Christian, you are going to live in accordance with God's law. And God's law says there is no room for homosexuality. Or any perversion of sex. Okay, I'm done. What or, did I sound like a Donald did I just Duck? Like a helium? Did I just sound like a? I I just found something on my computer. And did I you find a filter? It, it, it literally says helium chipmunk. Is that what it sounded like? Yes, you Chippendale from the old. Uh, I did not mean. I was sitting here going. Wonder what these do. And you were reading talking and I'm like and then I clicked it and realized it was on. I'm like, oh sorry, hold on. <laughs> sorry, my bad. Maybe I should just do the rest of this in the Well anyway. it would be as good as what we're hearing from him. Go ahead, play Andy. Okay. All right. Move it on. That's my experience in our churches. Well, we made it about a second. Uh what's getting experience? Yeah. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have I believe that. They may have, yeah, but they may have that their faith is ill. Uh, it's, it's wrong. Yeah, it's ill-advised. It's wrongly placed. It's it, right. It's it's wrong. Wrongly centered. So it's 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 an ill-advised faith. But my point is, I'm believing that about him. When oh, he I said know. they have more faith than I do, I believe Andy has stopped believing the Bible. Period. I okay. I have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I'm beginning speak. to wonder how many that sit and listen actually yeah. have faith. I was going to say he needs to speak for himself. Uh, I have a different faith, and I don't even have the same faith he has. So I that, he's talking to the people there, so yeah, let's, yeah. let's, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful for the people there, honestly. No kidding. Uh, I might not be accepted here, but I'm going to try it anyway. 
Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue? I love my in-laws, by the way. You yeah. just step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized. No place. I'm telling you. Oh, hold on. Gay men and women. He, he, he's wrong about that. You're probably going to say what I was going to say. For most true Christians in the world today, believing Christians who are willing to be witnesses for the Lord in all parts of the world, but even here in parts of America, depending on where you live and, and what the situation is and whether or not you're a, you're part of the small, tiny minority— Actually, there are plenty of Christians in, the, in today's world, Andy, and in all throughout the 2,000 years since Christ left the planet, that, that this has happened, where you go into a room not knowing who your enemies are. In fact, expecting that they are your enemies. You want to know why? Jesus said it. They'll hate you because they hated me. Don't think they just hate you, but they hate you because of who you represent. You represent Christ. If you are living a, a consecrated life for Christ, if you're being sanctified on a daily basis, if you are truly born again, you will be hated. Why? Because he was hated. Did I say anything wrong? No, no, no. I'm going to have to take a shower after this. Yeah. Who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church. Oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. Okay. You want to go ahead and tackle that? Yeah, okay. I know all the biblicals, but. But. Uh, you want to. <laughs> oh, Taylor, you know what gets me? He does know him. He's read him. I know. He he's read him. He's probably at some time in his life preached on him. He certainly heard other people preach on him growing up. So uh, what does he know that's better than Romans chapter one? What does he know that's better than, well, than Leviticus or Deuteronomy or Corinthians or Ephesians or any of the others? Let's see if he tells us. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff. But just it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting to talk about. Okay, let's go. <sighs> oh, my goodness. A gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father? You can't use a personal He can. Pronoun. Because he thinks we're all part of God's, we're all God's children, I guess. But the fact is, Jesus said to the Pharisees, who were the strictest, most religious, most loyal to the law of Yahweh, Jews of their day, he said, you're of your father, the devil because of their refusal to accept him. All right. Correct? Who did not answer yes. the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no, and they still love God. Do, do you have any idea what he's talking about saying no to that? I think he's, I mean, okay, know? here's what I have. I've, I've listened to this clip. This is the this area that we're in now. Uh, okay, it started with the, uh, if, if you people were as motivated as, as gay Christians, okay, that part, this portion of the, the video is what I've heard the most. And I will think that, I will say that this being about the fourth or fifth time I've heard this section, I've come to the realization that I think he's saying that God did not answer the cry of their heart at age 12, 13, 14, 15. He's saying that these young people knew they were same-sex attracted, and because they grew up in, okay. in church homes, they were saying, God, take this attraction from me, and that God never did. Much okay, like, that's what I thought much like Paul cried out to have his thorn in the flesh removed, and God said... No, my grace is sufficient for you. He's trying to equivocate that and say, your homosexuality is good enough. I'm leaving you with it. Deal with it. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women 
who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? Stop there. We got to figure this out. And you know what? I, po- I want to point something out. I've never heard that till this video, the clobber passages. But James White had, and when he listened to that, he and Rich had a discussion about that. That, that is from a certain group of people who claim to be Christian and who claim to be theologians or ministers who've written on this subject either in journals, in magazine articles, in sermons that have been published, or in books that have been published by the supposed Christian uh, publications, that these passages are used to clobber homosexuals over the head with their sin and, and, and act as though it, it offers them no relief from their sin, that they can't get relief from their sin, so they can't practice homosexuality and still be a Christian. But yet, no one says that to straight people, that you can't practice being heterosexual. Well, guess what? The Bible does say, you can practice heterosexuality within a one-man, one-woman committed relationship called marriage. Am I wrong? No, you're right. <laughs> Let's see what else Andy's got to say here. I never, by the way, I'd never heard the clobber passage. I, that was news well, to me. Well, that's I, what James I, White you said. Just it enlighten means. me. Yeah. I'd never, I'd never heard that. Yeah, James and Rich were talking about on the dividing line. I think you wouldn't come to a conference like this, or you wouldn't have come back, right? We are, and we'll be criticized oh, for it. And there's no perfect way to do this, but I can give you a hint. We well, do what Jesus did. You know, who- there actually is a perfect way you could do it. Just rely on Scripture, you know. And rightly and, divide and, it. And say if you're here today and you are homosexual or you're a young person struggling with same-sex attraction and don't know why, there is hope. There is an answer for you. It's Jesus. And it, here's you know, the scripture. Adrian Rogers used to call people that 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 wanted to pick and choose what they wanted from their Bible. And it's this is kind of ironic that I'm quoting this with Charles Stanley's son, I guess. I know. The, the buffet Christians, you know, I'm going to go up there and just pick what I want and leave the rest. And that's kind of what he's doing here. I'm going to – I use the term loosely Christians. He just wants to pick and choose what he likes, and to be honest with you, anything that's scripture, I don't know what he likes yet. He's unhitched the old. Now he's doing away with half of the New Testament when yeah. dealing with sin. So I just don't know what he even likes yet. I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. So Jesus started with Jesus never started with theology. Jesus started with the people in front of him. Yeah, Jesus never said repent for the kingdom is at oh, hand. Oh, I think I've. Oh, I think I got a headache now. <laughs> Did Jesus start with Did repentance? Did he just say that? Yeah, Jesus never started with theology. He just started with the people that were in front of him. Jesus was theology. Mm-hmm. And he went from there. I mean, you know, if, you're, if your theology gets in the way of ministry, like if there's somebody you can't minister to because your theology, you have the wrong theology. Is that See, in a normal circumstance, we would call that cage stage. We talked about that this week. Yeah. But that is not what he's talking about. No, it's not. No, we're talking about when your theology just gets in the way and you're too high nose. You're belligerent almost. Yeah, yeah. belligerent. And we're talking, I don't even know if, oh, he wouldn't know what to do with theology if it smacked him in the face. <laughs> that clear. And this is what drove the Pharisees crazy. It's like, how can you go there? And Jesus is like, because they're there. That's why I'm going there. Yeah, but don't you know about them? Like, Jalen, he did go there. He did go there. He went where the prostitutes were and the, and the robbers and all the others, but he went there to call them to repentance. repentance. He said, there's another way, my way, and I love you, and I will save you, but he won't accept how them long, as they are. How long before Andy Stanley says Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene? 
Uh, that's a good point. I have no idea. That could be. I'm, I'm serious. No, well, no, that hey, sounds. It would be okay because apparently it doesn't matter if he was virgin birth or not. I, I, I no, no. I'm, I'm, how, how long before Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene at the end of his life, and they had and and and. Oh, how long before? You, how long before that happened? You know who we need to get on the podcast again, and we can discuss this thing along with the guy from from Orlando, Florida, because we haven't even mentioned him, and we want this this episode. We should get Pastor Gabe back. Oh, I mean, he, yeah, I preached out to him. We're ready. Okay, okay. See the world that way. Here's how I see the world: there are people lost to God, and there are people who've connected with God. So I just want to help disconnected people get. Let's say that properly. There are people that are not connected to God, and there are people that God has changed their heart and their disposition, yes. not man. God has brought them in. I'm a simple person. That's what I do. And I'm just telling you, the men and women I know who are gay, their faith and their confidence in God dwarfs mine. And so not only is there room, there's plenty of room. And we're going to figure that out. And you're going to figure it out. And if you don't, you can say goodbye to the next generation because they figured it out. Because it's personal. It's their friends. It's their good friends. It's their friends' friends. It's their parents' friends. This is pragmatism 101. It's because that generation's been taught that it's okay and that it's good. And we should not only accept it, but we should celebrate it. You and I talk about this all the time. We've talked about the whole woke culture, the whole uh, anything goes, ever, just do whatever's right in your own mind uh, type culture. But we have Old Testament and New Testament uh, th- reasons for not doing that, okay? For not going down that path. So we can do this. Um, now, here's something i got to drill down on uh, that is related to this. It's kind of a side topic, but it's so important. Here's something to keep in mind, okay? Never take someone's church away from them unnecessarily. Here's what I mean by that. Um, I'll give you an example. About, I don't know, almost about a little over a year now, there's a pretty big church in Atlanta and they went 100% in on CRT. I mean, like, just totally. And it not only divided the church, it almost destroyed the church. And here's what happens, because here's what happens when pastors don't understand what it means to be a pastor. Wow. Did he just say that? He did. You end up, taking the church and again this is what happened talk about this someone in a glass house throwing years. stones well there have been there are people that have been 16 years 20 years and the people that have been there longer than the pastor had to leave their church because of what this guy went in on he un- doesn't it say it's christ church and we're the body of christ and yeah but Chalen, that's the least of his offensive statements you know, oh, I know he I know. just he's trying to tell his church he try to tell these people they've got to learn how to accept homosexuality but he's getting looking down on another church for for pushing crt and saying that that broke their church up he's condemning that pastor for getting into something he didn't know enough about before he brought it in what about this what he's doing right here he's bringing in something uh, the nose the camel's nose under the tent so to speak it's not just that it's he's ripped the flap wide open and said here let's just let them all in and the fact is it doesn't matter who sits in the pew next to you because god loves us all god but it is god it's also preying on their emotions because I promise you those people there love Andy Stanley. They love him as a pastor. They want him as a pastor. So he is going to twist stuff, make it over here. It's the bait and switch. 
I'm going to compare it to the church over here. They divide it. You don't want to do anything against me and divide it because you will tear the church apart, just like happened there. Yeah. It, it's the mo- he, he's using emotionalism to manipulate those people to do what he wants them to do. I'll bet you uh, he's got a minor in psychology or something from college. Uh, he just It just strikes me as that he's learned how to do this manipulation stuff very well. It's, it's all about emotionalism. This is all hyper-emotionalism. There's no difference in this than the guy that says, come now because you could have a wreck on the way home and you'll die and split hell wide open. Come now and repeat this prayer after me if you don't want to go to hell. I'm not saying to escape hell is not a good reason to get saved, but it's not the only reason. You better know what you believe and why you believe and why you're willing to separate from the world and, and, and affix yourself to Christ because when the time comes and persecution comes, will you be one of those that falls away? I predict the person like that will because all they have is that little prayer. They don't know if they're truly saved or not. Unnecessarily took people's church away from them. Don't ever, I don't care what your view is or my view is, don't ever take someone's church away from them unnecessarily. That's bad leadership and it's bad discipleship. Um, Yeah, you're proving that. Pastors who get up and announce, you know, because this is, you know, this, you saw some of this. It doesn't happen much anymore because it's so ridiculous. Pastors got up and we're affirming. They got up and announced, we're affirming. And, you know, and then the next Sunday, half the congregation's gone. And it's the congregation that's like, we are? I don't even know what that is. I, I, now I can't come back to my church. And why can't I come back to my church? Because we hired this bozo pastor, and he just took my church away from me. Now, whether... I don't feel so bad calling him a clown now. Mm-hmm. The yep. person's right or wrong is irrelevant. Your pastors and your leaders don't take people's church away from them unnecessarily. He did name drop the Prince of Clowns, Bozo. I know. <laughs> he just ruined a good Saturday morning cartoon. Or not cartoon but I used to watch Bozo, it. man. It's on WGN. Channel man. 9 out of Chicago. Terrible leadership because they skipped discipleship, teaching, preparing, and nudging. They played the role of a... So, well, what is he doing exactly? I mean, what is he? Well, I'm what is trying he, to figure out what he's taught us so far out of the Bible. Nothing. There hasn't been a single scripture prophet, quoted. Prophet, not a pastor. You are, well, he said, I know the pastor is, but. You're not a prophet. And they're interesting. You are a pastor. Very different role. Prophets drop in and drop truth bombs, and then they get on their chariot and go to the next place and drop truth. That's not what we're doing. We are leading people. We are not pace set. Astray. I was going to say the exact word. We're pastors and shepherds. Pastors set direction and they monitor the pace. They do not set the pace. Here's this picture that reminds me of this. This direction that he's saying here? Yeah. To be biblical. Exactly. You're right. If it's a truly, if it's a truly, um, for want of a better word, called or gifted pastor, then his desire is only going to be to lead people into truth of Christ. His, his the discipleship will be that he will be constantly leading you deeper into the scriptures, not further away from them, not unhitching the old from the new, not discounting miracles or the virgin birth. But we'll keep the one the one miracle that counts. That's the resurrection. Look, I'm saying all these things because every one of these things are things Andy Stanley has done in the last three to four years. Ooh, I'm just wondering how long before Jesus is married. Okay. It's every time I see it, I'll show you this picture. This is Sanders' dad. This is Garrett. Hey. Blah, 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 blah. You're not leading. I don't know what happened You're trying there. to be a prophet. You're not a prophet. You go do that somewhere else. Have an itinerant ministry. You know, Drop truth bombs and get your check and go on to the next thing. That's fine. There's a place for that in the world. 
Not here, but the place for that in the world, right? That's why I loved having Crawford. He's a pastor, right? So this is the model. There are too many, you're smart. You think about these things all the time. There are too many variables to expect everybody in our churches to keep up with our pace on anything. Not because the people in our church aren't smart, because they're busy. We think about this stuff all the time. So good leaders don't get up and announce change. Good leaders get up and they lead toward change. If you want to be an announcer, apply to be an announcer somewhere. That's not what we do. Our job is to lead, model, disciple, equip people to navigate cultural shifts in keeping with the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Now you say, Andy, that sounds kind of dishonest. Okay, well, where, 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 where's the teaching of Jesus and the apostles? Ah, uh, that's a lie. That's the thing. There hasn't been any. It's it's all wonderful for him to spout off these flowery epithets, but he's not done it himself in the time that he spoke to these people. Now, I understand you're, you're, that this is only a less than 10-minute segment of a longer speech that yeah, he gave at this conference. Yeah, but his history shows it. But, but right. It, it just points out that he usually yeah. doesn't even, often doesn't even have a Bible when he is speaking and things like that. And I know that's a pet peeve, but... You you remember? Uh, you remember Mari? And our survey says, that's a lie. <laughs> Honest and sneaky. No, it's not dishonest and sneaky. It's leadership, and it's shrewd. Jesus said you're to be wise as serpents and shrewd. As, excuse me, wise serpents. You're supposed to be wise as harmless as doves. And Thank you. Let his true character come out there. Freudian slip is showing. Your Freudian slip is showing. Oh, look under the mask here. I think we saw who's really under there. He is kind of lizard. Hello, Satine. He might be and a little bit lizard-like. We get so harmless, we forget sometimes we need to be shrewd. We need to be more snake-like in the appropriate... Well, let me say something. Did he just say we need to be more snake-like? More snake-like. Let me just say, okay. that is what he's doing. Because he's slithering around and he's crawling in with all these, all these apostate heresies. And he's introducing it to the church as if this is a great thing we all need to learn to embrace and affirm people. Even though he got on to the pastor that just affirmed, we're going to be an affirming church, and then the next week the church split. So what he's warning everybody is that he's not going to say, hey, we're affirming, not immediately. But he's going to lead that way. And he's going to lead as many churches as he can to take a new, closer, fresher look at our relationship to the homosexual community within the church and how we have disabused, we have abused and, and failed to disciple the homosexual community within the church. Okay, but my problem is, again, there is no homosexual community in the church. There are former homosexuals in the church. Okay? There are former homosexuals in the church. That's where one of you, Corinthians? Yes. There are former homosexuals in the church, and, 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 and God bless them. I'm glad that they are Good. formerly homosexual. That means they, that means they did received Christ. They did come to their senses. They are saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we'll see them in heaven if we don't ever meet them here on earth. But you can't still be that. Because why? It's an abomination to God. And you say, well, there are no degrees of sin. Yes, actually there are. I used to say that a lot. Didn't you? And didn't you grow up hearing that? That just one sin will send you to heaven. And will send you to hell. <laughs> well, I just had a Freudian slip, I guess. Just one sin will send you to hell. Absolutely. And you're right. So just one sin will send you to hell, right, Chaplain? But there are certain sins that God himself has separated out as worse than others. The Proverbs talks about that. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else he's got to say. Let's see if we can finish it. It's 59 seconds. Think we can do it? Let's do it. Let's just let it run. I don't think we'll be able to. I don't think we have the ability. 
free Jesus kind of way, which means when people need to begin shifting their thinking, you don't get up and announce, you disciple and you teach people. So there are people on the, when it comes to the LGBTQ community and our churches, right? There's some people that wanna drag us too fast and there are some people who wanna pull us back too hard. Welcome to leadership, welcome to pastoring. It's okay, but don't take... If, if you have a gentleman wanting to go yeah. in the direction of affirming, then yeah. you don't have a pastor. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, you, Anyone's you have a heretic. away from them unnecessarily. And if you're in a church and 95% of the church has sort of said, you know what, we're not going there, then maybe you need to go somewhere else. But don't get up. Yeah, they're more biblical than you are. That's right. By golly, God called me and I'm, you'd just be so careful. That's not loving people. That's something else. Loving people is telling them they're in the sin and they're going to be separated from God in an eternal damnation. That's yeah. what love is. Yeah. Well, so I, when it comes to this issue or any issue, keep that in mind. Our job is to lead, model, and disciple, and equip people for those shifts according to the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Okay. Number three. Whoop. Oh, you, not doing that again. You recognize oh. something, right? He's. He is speaking at a preacher's conference. He's telling other preachers this. That's the shame of it. He is telling these young preachers, hey, man, be like me. Be, be more like a snake. Sneak it in a little at a time. Because if you have somebody going way too fast, you're going to tear the church up. And if you have somebody that pulls, pulls in the opposite direction when the church wants to be affirming, well, then you're going to tear the church up. So you have to just be slow and generous and let things play out. Because they're going to play out the right way, right? Because we're on the right side of history. Oh, oh yeah. Bay. No, not on not on God's not on God's side of history. Kind of. Well, Chalen, that was that was uh, depressing. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can find a clip here. Just anything. Just just anything. Something anything to I, cleanse. I, I, to cleanse cleanse the palate. You're trying to find a Something palate I'm, cleanser. I'm, I'm trying to find Steve Lawson. Where's Doctor Lawson? <laughs> Where is he? I can't find him. I can't find him. Well, you know, the problem is, too many churches today are hung up on doctrine. And, oh, doc oh, and doctrine bores people. Go. 2013. Here we go. And then third, we must urge people to believe upon Christ. Urge them to believe upon Christ. We're not just presenting the gospel. We must persuade with the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is one who is dispatched by a king and, and is sent from his royal uh, chamber with his message to go to a faraway land and he stands in representation of his king who has sent him. Paul says we're ambassadors for Christ as though we have been dispatched from the very throne of heaven above with the royal message of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal. Did you hear that? We are to make an appeal. We are to call for the verdict. I had to ask my wife, will you marry me? I, just, I couldn't just say, you're pretty, you're wonderful. I had to ask. I had to call for her decision. 
And at times I feel that we are so scared of decisional regeneration that all we do is just lecture on the gospel while people are going to hell. And we never beg and we never plead. And I think we're too proud to beg. We must warn, we must entreat, we must invite, we must summon, we must exhort, we must call, we must lift our voices. Listen, we're Calvinists, but we're not hyper-Calvinists. <laughs> Calvinists believe in the five points, but they never call sinners to faith in Christ. Well. Well. We didn't pause him one time. No, I, I was sitting here grinning and, and 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 just staring at the screen and going, "Now that tasted good. That's 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 the real meat there, you know." So what did we learn today, Chaylen? Don't, <laughs> don't listen to Andy Stanley. Absolutely <laughs> not. Rule number one. Rule number one. I'm Steve Lawson. That's I'm right. Steve Lawson. Rule number two. Actually, that should be rule number one. <laughs> rule number one. Five. Find Steve Lawson. Oh, so. it matters what we hear preached. It matters what we hear taught, and it matters what we believe. And uh, well, actually, that's what this podcast is about, right? What we believe, why we believe it, and 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 how to be certain in that belief. In a in a few weeks, uh, we'll um, we'll be releasing some more stuff. Um, we will begin justification. Uh, you've got. You said you've already uh, sent some feelers out to um, Gabe Hughes again. Yeah, Gabe. Yeah, no, Gabe's ready to come back on. We just got to get it scheduled. And we've got a couple other people in the local area that we're wanting to get on. Um, there's going to be some more stuff coming with justification. That is sort of, you know, last year we talked about doing soteriology. We even did an episode defining the term, and then we never got around to actually yeah, breaking it down. So we've been woefully behind on that. But that's what we'll pick up with on justification. So <laughs> We, we make all, the promise and make all these can. promises and never keep them. Ah, yeah. but it's a man thing. Uh, but yeah, we're going to anyway. we're going to be able to get back on a, a good schedule again. And uh, Chaylen, I would say this is fun, but actually, this was heartbreaking. But we, it, this I think is it'll mind-numbing. yeah. But I think it'll make for at least a lively conversation in people's ears because one thing's for sure, I got very loud because this sort of stuff was heresy. Just bugs me, and everything he was saying. Point blank, heresy is wrong, and he should repent. Uh, so be in prayer for Andy Stanley that he will come to his senses and he will repent. And Chalen, I guess that's it. Till next time, God bless you. I hope you have a good one. We'll see you next time. Uh, see you next time, man. All right. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh,